Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's November 2019 in Los Angeles, and you're listening to Night Call. Everybody and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and I am joined, as always, by Tess Lynch and Emily Yoshida. And Emily did a little investigation. Uh, a little investigation. I, you know, sometimes people ask questions on the internet, and it seems like a valid question, and so um, you just want to follow them down that hole. Uh, so I saw a tweet that I sent to. Um, to Molly and Tess from Emma Best, who's a a hacker activist, um, runs the site Muckrock, which is sort of like um, it's like Scribd or something. It's just like a place for documents and uh, FOIA documents and stuff like that. So they had done a FOIA on uh, looking up materials mentioning or describing psychological operations involving astrology, such as those described in series of numbers. Um, this is from the CIA. And they got the response that said there were several documents. Most of them we cannot share with you. They're still classified. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks. So, so to be fair, this is inconclusive. We don't know anything. There's, wow. There's only so one document was what had been declassified, and it was from uh, the Vietnam War 
and it was from this, it was like a kind of document about, uh, from Henry A. Kissinger, uh, about a psychological offensive in Vietnam. And it was this propaganda radio uh, show uh, called Mother Vietnam. And it was just a list of like the kinds of programming we could have on said uh, propaganda radio station, like... Um, and astrology some, that tells you to go out and so, kill for the America. So uh, rebuttal of Radio Hanoi, uh, interviews with refugees, relatives, wounded soldiers, advice to North Vietnamese civilians and soldiers, and astrological predictions. So whoa! So we can infer that the psyops that used astrology were basically like maybe to instill fear in people to be like, oh, looking yeah. at your horoscope, like, looks like you should definitely not oppose yeah. the powers that be. Well, yeah. we did. Tess and I were on uh, Behind the Bastards, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. show on our network that that's great. awesome. And we were on an episode about Nancy Reagan's astrologer. Yeah. That was all about how the Reagans were totally into astrology. The astrologer was a horrible person, and she only wanted to be an astrologer for rich people. Yeah. Yeah. But they made a lot of their decisions about meeting times based on what she said. Right. So they would, like, circle the helicopter for hours. which, like, had the effect of making their opponents uh, be caught off guard because they wouldn't meet ever at like 5 p.m. They'd have to meet at like 5.12. It's oh, actually weird. kind of a great power move. It's a totally move great power used move. for good. Yeah. But they were notorious apparently for like they would only hold meetings at these weird times and it was because the astrologer told them to. <laughs> yeah. Was it like numerolo- numerology? Like no, the, I think it the was times? just straight up astrology. I <laughs> think it was like it's, this, this is when Jupiter the is yeah. opposing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I I then just Googled, is astrology a PSYOP, um, which is, you know, of course opens up. I mean, this is not a new question. Plenty of people have, uh, have, have thought of this before, but most of it's like on conspiracy sites and not um, not actual documents. Not anything <laughs> clickable by us. Right. <laughs> it's It never occurred to me until, until you sent me that tweet. And then I felt like right. such a right. dumbass. <laughs> right. Because I was like, of course it can be used for evil. It never seemed like that's why you would well, use well, it. There was, a, there was a person who responded to this on Twitter and said, you know, it's a very old practice. Like, obviously, it can be used any way people want to use it. But they were like, if you want to be safe, though, don't use this, uh, the astrology apps. Like, your well, co-stars. they're listening to you, as yeah. we've all pointed out. They oh. listen to you in therapy, and then they give you advice based on what <laughs> they heard you talking the, about the in therapy. period what? tracking apps? Wait, what did... What, back up? What was that? Somebody was like... I know... Please was, cite your sources. Okay, somebody I know was like, my astrology app was saying stuff that was just about stuff I had just talked about in therapy. And I was like, well, your phone was on in therapy. I'm sure it's, here's what you're saying. But that means that she has like a personal bot astrologer. I think they do. That's what I'm saying. I think it listens to you and then it gives you advice based on what it thinks you want to hear about. What is the possible upside? So So you think all the the Libras are getting different readings based on their therapy. Then you're like, it's incisive. It knows what I am going through right now because like that's what a good astrologer does. what's, What's the benefit for the person who's doing all this labor to create your personalized Astrology maybe maybe that you I upgrade to this feeding you the premium. <laughs> Look, we know some people who work for astrology apps, and I would like to know what they have to say about this. I will also say that I'm the skeptic in the crew. 
I don't think astrology is real. You go through phases. I don't, Sometimes you admit one, that you are a Virgo. Does, one does not need to believe that astrology is real to not believe that uh, there is an app in which like, there's a room full of people who are listening on headphones to you and your therapist. Well, I think that's true still. Um, I don't think <laughs> astrology is real, but my worst boyfriend was a Scorpio. See, so. of course. Of course he was. He was a Scorpio. But I don't also... you think people also, inter- that's a feedback loop where people internalize traits no. that they think they're going to have because of what they're sign is definitely I mean, not yeah. it forms your personality because <laughs> yeah, you're like i'm sure this. yes for sure that's why i don't believe in it too because i'm a virgo and i'm so not a virgo in any way you are you such a virgo no i'm not they're you like are. neat that's all they ever say is like they're ocd about being no clean. there's two kinds of virgos so as every virgo should know it's not the most boring uh it's actually isn't it the most popular astrological people have sex on new we've Year's. talked about it i know but i'm just saying you can't really there's there are many different types of virgos Guys, speaking of predicting the future yeah we should talk about blade runner before we do can i bring up an actual sourceable fact about um apps tracking you and then i'll let you go yes okay so someone um reported that they had been using a period tracker app and then forgot about it and just didn't do anything with it so the app communicated or sold the data that she was potentially pregnant because she hadn't listed that she'd had her period so she was being served all of these ads for like because they calculated it and they were like oh she must be due soon i'm just saying all the apps do stuff (laughs) yeah instead of just she's lazy and doesn't care about your fertility they were like we're gonna take a flyer on this one that's hilarious you guys saw the story about how the uber self-driving car killed a pedestrian because it's like not programmed to recognize jaywalking no right just like the first thing you would think you would like check for if you were building a self-driving car right um what i'm saying is that technology is evil okay now we can go to technology is evil and in november 2019 it certainly is what would you do without twitter you guys (laughs) i i enjoyed my hiatus from twitter I'm thinking about taking. I, Twitter to me is actually the worst one. I'm actually never on Twitter now. Which yeah. Is a thing. I Listen, don't know, man. let's take a journey to right now, as visualized from 37 years ago. You guys, we watched Blade Runner, the 1982 version of Blade Runner, because it's November 2019 in Los Angeles. It certainly is. If and you're the kind of person who's been waiting for all the apocalyptic sci-fi title cards to come into being this is the big one this is one of the most iconic ones i think like the other one for me is whatever it is and back to the future too which i think was um i think that was 2015 there's something in running man Um, the i think it was running man um but it was very funny because on november 1st 2019 uh that was the day that the recycling plant caught on fire in outwater and it smelled like burning plastic in the entire east side and the sky was orange and i actually took a surgical mask from our room where i work and used it to drive home because i walked outside and immediately started like hacking coffee yeah and the blade like, runner weather came right on time right on exactly time. on time I, I also felt as though the air quality and the fumes the particular fumes that were being emitted from this fire were downplayed 
Like I think oh, people yeah. really should have taken well, more precautions. Well, because it doesn't look bad. It, but, but it, it smells. It's, you could smell yeah. that it was but plastic. Everybody I know, I feel like, was like, "Oh, I'm having all these really bad headaches and like headaches, yeah, allergies." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, that's the fire. We're all like inhaling disgusting particles." There are a lot of schools right around that area, and I feel as though they sometimes there will be kind of a like mandate that children stay in school. Um, and I think maybe they kind of. I, mm-hmm. I feel like schools should have been closed in that area. That's how bad the air yeah. smelled. We used to it have smog really days in school. Yeah, oh it was. God. I think it should have been a smog day. Uh, but we wouldn't get it off. We would just <clears throat> have to play in the auditorium. Uh, anyway, this Bl- Blade Runner, like, is such a like. It is. It is the most iconic dystopian. I think movie. Maybe. I mean, there are obviously like lots you can choose from, but I think like this particular vision of this like perpetual nighttime because of the smog like uh asian culture has run amok uh there are there are robots that look like people and you can't tell the difference like all of that stuff feels very like this has just soaked itself into all science fiction it's also a utopia because it's raining all the time it's raining but all the time. what's in that rain? And <laughs> I love it. And it's diverse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was my complaint. We did a North Mollywood episode about um, the, Blade Runner 2049, yeah. where they said, as you said, that the best shot was when they cut to a pile of garbage and the title just says San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's the best diss in the world. Most earned diss. But also, yeah, that it was shot in Europe, so all the extras were white. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's the most dystopian future LA ever. Yeah. And Andrew yeah. T was like, you're thinking about it more than they did. Right. But it feels, original Blade Runner does feel like such an 80s movie because it does feel like that fear. It's like the white fear of the city getting taken over. By the other, but the thing, but the thing about Blade Runner, the world of Blade Runner, is not that it's been taken over. It's that those are the people who had to stay behind and are not on the off-world exactly. colonies. Yes. Um. So it's not like the white people have been killed off by all the Asian people. <laughs> um. It is. It is that like they have not because of class or because it's like some. It's implied that some disabilities you can't like. Um. Chef Sebastian. Uh. Can't go up because of this syndrome that he has. This disease. That premature makes him, aging. Methuselah syndrome boy is um, that makeup terrible yeah. and i relish bad makeup like yeah. that oh why because it would be bad cgi now kind of well, but also just because it made him like it added an extra layer of wondering if he, if he was like putting on a front because isn't right. that part of it too that some people seem really conflicted about whether they actually want to populate the exoplanets mm-hmm. or whatever yeah you know how nightcall feels you know how nightcall feels we're exactly. staying behind we're, in LA. we're staying here i mean you get amazing apartments apparently if you stay behind <laughs> uh we're all moving into the bradbury, the bradbury. building <laughs> the worst part of the um the lifestyle of living in those apartment buildings is being on the elevator that is attached to the exterior of a building. You mean like an outdoor? The outdoor elevator, elevator that goes up to like the 97th You don't like fl- that? No, I you fucking hate You mean like at the it. like the, the Bonaventure? To me, yes. that should be oh, all elevators. No, yeah, that's so 80s. Oh, God, I couldn't deal Gotta see the elevator. Not the biggest fan of elevators in general, except for the one at Legoland that has a disco ball. <laughs> I'm not I'd a big really... elevator fan, but I feel like you might as well be outside. They look like they were going to fall off the building. It was so stressful to me. I think the funny thing about the design of of Blade Runner being as like influential as it is is that it's not really straight up like cyberpunk. It's super noir and it's super yeah. like like early half of the the twentieth century. Like um, and the fact that they shot on all these locations from that era in Los Angeles. Like that's the architecture. Those are the bones of the city. It's not all these 
crazy pyramids and um you know sleek architecture that like really defines most of 2049 um just like like you know eye candy type stuff like it's it's very it's very dirty and kind of craggy and wet very we, damp <laughs> we love the wet future I love yeah the wet future. we love the craggy wet future was that because ridley scott was like I, I thought I read somewhere, but not couldn't verify it that he wanted like an England feel, um, weather wise, because he's British. I guess I don't know. I assumed... Well, it's actually kind of a realistic, like it, well, it feels now. plausible. It's also like now it's cold enough to wear a trench coat. But we are. The I coats, feel like we are. The coats were not believable to me. <laughs> they are now. It was cold. It gets cold at night. That, that night. huge fur coat with so, the collar. Yeah. It was so foggy last mm. night. It was so Blade Runnery. Mm. I was saying to Tess. I deny that it was fog. I think it was, that it was smog. It was no. smog last night for sure. Yesterday was nasty. No, I don't know. Fo- there was there fog are many microclimates. You could have been in a foggy cell. The weather app said fog because it was listening to me and knew that that's what I wanted <laughs> to hear. Just wanted to make you feel good. <laughs> Siri, please give me fog. Um, how do you think the movie has held up since you've seen it last? The thing that okay, so I have like a very like I I saw this movie. This movie like blew my mind or whatever when I was 14 or however old I was when I saw it. And there is an article in the news about me uh, saying it was my favorite movie, which I don't think is true. But <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, because I, I did a kind of Blade Runner indebted thesis film in college. Like I did like an L.A. cyberpunk movie. <laughs> um, so and then the local paper in, in Tacoma interviewed me about it. Uh, and I said that Blade Runner was my favorite movie because it was just like, that sounds right. Right. Like, this girl loves Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 but uh, I think the thing that's always surprising to me every time I come back to this movie, and like also the more that I kind of steep myself in like, here's how you make a movie that like stands the test of time. Here's the perfect formula for a movie. Here are all the beats you need to do, and like promises, and uh, and like you know uh, things like fulfilling all those promises that you make to the audience. And it's like Blade Runner is so. <laughs> arty and weird. Yeah, well, it doesn't like, have any of those like satisfying buttons that are pushed. Yeah. And all of its big ideas are like hinted at and kind of sideways, and nothing is like hammered down in a way that most sci-fi. It's like two thousand one, in mm-hmm. that it's like a sci-fi movie that also gets to be like capital A art. Yeah, it's like a it's mood. Not piece. like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. It's not like a popcorn movie. It's like a. A Junior Mintz movie. It's very, like, I was thinking about even the opening, like, where Deckard's at the noodle stand, and then he, and then Edward James almost comes up, and they take him to the police. They say he's under arrest, and they put him in a cop car, like a floating car, and they take him to the police station, or, um, and, uh, that's it it has the vangelis score you it's like this slow shot of the car rising up over the city and it's all dreamy and the rain is falling and i think like probably the first three times i saw that movie i never picked up that he was getting arrested because it doesn't <laughs> feel like anything urgent is happening you're but just like they say they say he's not being arrested he's, he's like not, he's not I, later yeah. yeah they but like that's like the reveal when they get there but it's like i don't i was just watching the the flying car. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, well, also he was like, "You can't arrest me because I'm still eating my noodles." Right. And yeah. they're like, "Okay, that sounds pretty <laughs> right. fair. We'll wait to arrest you while yeah. you finish your noodles." I mean, the future's chill. <laughs> it is. Um, I was looking into the Wikipedia for this, uh, and I had had no idea about Hampton Fancher. Uh, oh yeah, Hampton Fancher 
interestingly well first of all now i'm gonna have to see the minus Ham- man hampton fancher is a screenwriter yes he's, um, he wrote it with david peoples but um i had to look into the minus man mm. which was his directorial debut with owen wilson and janine garofalo and seems oh, like I've the seen cre- that movie. have you how is it uh it's depressing it's about heroin addiction Whoa. it's good i was just like this came out of nowhere but also i didn't know that hampton fancher was married for two years to sue lyon the original Lolita, and it was super... There were a bunch of really weird things that happened right before I watched Blade Runner. One of them was that Molly gave me a book, The Real Lolita, the Sarah Weinman book. Um, so I had Lolita it's on the It's a true mind. crime book about the case that Lolita is like oh, supposedly based on, is. but also like Nabokov has sort of disavowed it, but she makes this point of like he would have seen it in this paper, yep. and like he knew this other guy who got in trouble for having sex with kids. Like, yeah. So that was two days ago. Then there's the Sue Lyon thing, which I just happened to read about on Wikipedia. And then also the other day, I was like, I'm bored of my music. I need to start looking into other music. Yes. And so I listened to Vangelis for like two hours. You can never mood now. I put a Tangerine Dream song on the latest. uh, I put Love on a Real Train on the Last Night Call mix. Nice. I think that is like... Yeah, I mean, that mix also, I was like, this mix really, like, f- feels out our unified aesthetic to me, which I guess is, like, vaporwave. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Are we? Yeah, there's no escaping it. <laughs> but it feels like beyond it being November 2019 in L.A., I was like, whoa, Blade Runners, it's, it's seeping into my life from all angles. Yeah. Um, and it, I loved watching it. It had been forever since I'd seen it. Yeah. Uh, and I had forgotten Lots of great parts of it. I yeah. wish there are many. But it also has the weirdest tempo of any movie. It has a super weird tempo. And like also it's one of those things where now I mean I used to own it on DVD, but now that you like stream everything, I think I own it digitally. Nice. But I was watching it and I like the internet started to go out during like like one of the few things that like qualifies as an actual action scene in it, which is where he's chasing down Zora, the like the stripper, uh, snake replicant. stripper, yeah, the snake stripper, um, and she's like you know running over the cars, and then he shoots her in like this series of glass, um, this like glass hallway, which just looks incredible because it's just like neon reflecting off of every surface. And my internet started to go down during it. I was like, I need full resolution. <laughs> I need full. I can't. I can't live like this. How <laughs> many of the versions have you seen? Um, I've seen I've seen the original one with the uh, or the voiceover one. That's the one I watched just um, now. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't watched that one for a long time. I've seen that one like maybe once, and yeah. it was out of curiosity. I've seen the director's cut is the one I've seen the most because that's the one that's most widely available, mm-hmm. and I had that that DVD that everybody has um, with the black cover. And then now I have, I should look this up, but I have something called the final. The final, the final, final, final for sure yeah. this time. We're done, really, this time, uh, which is the one that's uh, it's available on iTunes. So that's why I ha- that's the one I have on they iTunes. They showed it at every film class I took in college. Really? It was actually hilarious. I hadn't seen it until college. Oh. Uh, that was the last time I'd seen it because also they'll do like, they'll show you Metropolis and then they show you Blade yeah, Runner. That's but fun. it was yeah. funny because it was like, Every professor like found a way to work Blade Runner into the <laughs> curriculum, but it's also because they're all like '80s postmodernist, sure. and that's like the writing they assign also. But yeah, it's interesting to think of Blade Runner as not an '80s movie, but a Nazis. I I've talked about the class I took in college that someone actually a listener wrote in to remind me of the professor's name, and it's um, Professor Neumann. But he he taught a film architecture class, and Blade Runner was featured, and Metropolis was that's, featured. Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah, and watching it now, 
in the time that it was supposed to be set is really fascinating in terms mm -hmm. of, I mean, because also we used to all work at LA Live and we often yes. talked about how that is like a oh, kind of baby haunted. Blade Runner. I was yeah. just going to say the most haunted. But, but it also like, lacks so, any vibrance. It has no texture. My, yeah, that's my the boyfriend, thing. Johnny Coleman, wrote a really good piece with the guy Jacob Butcher for The Nation about uh, the gentrification of downtown that started with the Staples Center and how it's just been a massive yeah. failure Yeah. Um, and how sort of public money goes to pay for things like this that yeah. are supposed to reinvigorate the community but displace everybody. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's the craziest thing about holes. LA Live, too, is the Ritz-Carlton residences or whatever are pretty much uh, the yeah. facade mm -hmm. of LA Live and they're these. it's this huge mirrored skyscraper well, in the really, middle of... They set themselves up for Blade Runner mm -hmm. because they were like, we'll build Build all we'll this like stuff Blade without Runner. dealing of any with yeah like we'll but lean the thing, into it. The thing about like the thing about B the Blade Runner future is that it seems largely accidental and ad hoc, and also it's like pedestrian dominated. Yeah, like if that opening scene and like most of the scenes that we see are supposed to be taking place downtown, probably like on Broadway, because um, or the Bradbury Building is on. Uh, is it on Broadway? Or is it on Spring? I think I it's on remember. Broadway. But that part of downtown, like that historic core area of downtown, like if it's supposed to take place there, then they've like they've banned cars because <laughs> yeah. there are no cars. Yeah, I think well, they're flying, and cars. they fly, but they come down. Like I you know, think what we're realizing is Blade Runner is a utopian. Is utopian. That's what I'm saying. Like, that yeah. we all want to be in, and it rains. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, it LA, and also in the dark rain is yeah. so lovely. And because the because also the idea of like that 80s fear of like especially downtown being like completely bought by right. like Chinese investors. Uh, yeah. Now I just feel like the fear that everybody I know has is Lisa's just like, well, they're whitewashing like the entire city of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So like if we end up with the Blade Runner Los now, Angeles. Now, would it be a utopia, though, if like all the people who populated the earth where their main industry was like genetic engineering? <laughs> what, if all the, no. what if all the agents were just like replicants? The agents? Yeah. Like the like, just like know. Hollywood agents or replicants. Oh, oh there that's you go. The I mean, that's class. a solid thesis. Like, I believe that. Like, uh, who who else would you like not be surprised if you were like all of these people are actually replicants? venture capitalists are replicants totally. and they are bioengineering each other. Mm. Um, I don't know. Siegfried and Roy could be replicants, <laughs> to be honest with you, and the Tigers could be replicants as well. Uh, hot button topic. Do you guys think Deckard's a replicant? Okay, so fast. I, I spent forever thinking about this. Uh, I don't think so. I think he is. You do? Yeah. But, I mean, so that's the big thing of all the different cuts, is that some of them lead you to think that more than others do. Some with a unicorn. Yeah. The one with the unicorn, which I believe is the director's cut. The unicorn was in the voiceover as well. Well, yeah. no, there was the unicorn origami, but not the unicorn dream. Dream. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think couldn't that also be read as like the humans and replicants share some kind of like like Jungian, thread between like, yeah yeah um, all humans are replicants man it's true man <laughs> I mean that's the whole thing of Battlestar Galactica which takes a lot of this stuff and yes. like then explores it for seven well, eight we're seasons. also getting right to that point uh, in terms of tech and there's yeah. obviously been a lot of action around that because a lot of really evil people want to use tech for the most evil things possible yeah um especially with artificial intelligence it's yeah. scary <laughs> it is scary 
I was kind of into the idea of the bioengineered animals, though, because I was like, look, they can just have owl. It's like cool. I love that stuff. I love the eye guy is like my favorite guy. The eye guy. I know you love love the eye guy. I've come to peace (laughs) with eye stuff now. But I love like... Well, going to the eye doctor is the most sci-fi thing when they put well, that thing down. But that's like love it. one of my favorite like nods to Blade Runner is the actual eyewear brand called LA Eyeworks, which is the name of the eye guy's store. And it's oh. the same same logo and everything. Really? They turned it in, like they, they took that logo and made it like an eyeglasses like a glasses store. I thought that store is so 80s. Yeah. That blows my mind. I love that. I had no idea. No, it's great. If you go back and watch the movie, when they go in, uh, when like Roy goes into the eye guy's place, it says LA eye works above the door and it is the exact same logo. Yeah. Do you think they can reclaim (laughs) trench coats? I mean, I love a trench coat. Jesus. I don't do long coats. I hate long coats on people. I've always hated long long coats on people because I'm short, so it's like not a great I think people look absolutely ridiculous when they walk around in long coats. I went to this. Oh, man. You're about to be very disappointed by me. You'll change my mind. Emily and I went to a Columbo-themed Halloween party called Columbo-ween where everybody was wearing trench coats, and it was great. It just looked like you were at a cop party, though. Like, it just looked like, oh, it's a cop. Cops don't actually wear I know, but it just looked like, or like That's CIA guys, funny. or like a bunch of FBI agents, or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, and my friend Sarah got a green trench coat that looks so cool. It made me be like, "Ooh, trench coats!" I had a long red coat that I wore a lot, and I thought it looked so good. And then, literally, it took one picture, seeing one picture of myself, and I was like, "I look ridiculous! Oh my god, <laughs> I'm humiliated!" There's so many different cuts. There's a world uh, of. of- to try. It was well, a horrible feeling. But speaking of coats, I mean, not the trench coats and not the big fur coat, but the see-through raincoat that Zora wears when she gets shot is one of the most, like, if I had to make a Hall of Fame list of props and costumes for movies that I want, like, Do that's Do you ever realize those things have seeped into your consciousness and you didn't even notice? I watched uh, The Secret of Nim recently, and I was like, oh, I've wanted a cape for, like, 20 years because Ms. the Frisbee rat, looks Mrs. so good Frisbee in her little... <laughs> has a cape and, like, a little, like, jewel necklace. Well, that's... yeah, I think seeing how people wear clothes and bodies and stuff like that makes a huge impression on you when you're young. Like, when you're seeing, you're, like, doing that like cats seeing themselves in the mirror or something you're like what if that was on me like I feel like (laughs) um which is why we're all so fucked up by Disney movies (laughs) what if I wore a seashell bra every day (laughs) but that coat went up for sale once um it was like on auction some some estate sale and I was I it was so expensive but I thought I thought real long and hard about it couldn't you make that it just doesn't seem that hard. Yeah. It's a clear trench coat. It's a clear No, it's like a little I mean, but it's not a trench coat. Isn't it short? It's like No, cropped. it's like a it's like a hip length. Hip one. length, okay. Yeah. I get I'm fine with a hip length coat, by the way. Yeah. If what anyone a- wants to buy me the hip length <laughs> coat, that's fine. I don't like it's we're talking like mid calf to ankle that I really won't go for. Oh yeah. But if it were see through or if you live somewhere okay cold enough you had to wear it. No, that. I absolutely refuse. It was a decision I made and <laughs> oh. I haven't turned back on that decision. Um yeah, the clothes are amazing. Rucker Hauer, Rucker Hauer, R.I.P. Rucker Hauer, R.I.P. He just died, right? He just just died. died. I love him so much. It was also very fun um, in the years leading up to now to go through everybody's birthdays, all the replicants' birthdays, because I think that Roy Batty was supposed to be born in 2015 or created in 2015. And one was 2017? Yeah, yeah. There's a 2016 one, too. So it's like... 
I, I marked all those as they went by. And Here's like, my question. <laughs> and it makes sense. They last as long as like a computer. Well, that's the whole point. Why yeah. do the male replicants have last names and the female replicants have none? Why do you think? I why mean, doesn't, but, but like, let's be real. Boss. Why doesn't Siri have a last name? <laughs> yeah. She does. Why is Siri female to begin with? What would Siri's last name be? Um, you can make Siri male. Yeah, Siri, but, it's, Siri, but it's like program default female because that's what the service class is going to be program default to be. But even just pleasure programmed by men. Mostly. Pleasure bots should have last names. Pleasure bots. <laughs> it really bothered me the more I, th- I was like, why do any of them need well, last Chris names? Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just her stripper name. Yeah. She still needs a last name. The stripper name can be the street she was name. born on. It can be her first pet. I don't care. Do you guys have favorite um, like bits of design or art or something? Uh, Harrison um, Ford, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest like intelligent design. <laughs> there is a best story about Harrison Ford in some book that was about Michelle Phillips from The Mamas and the Papas seeing him on screen in I think Star Wars and saying, "Hey, that's my pot dealer." You're kidding. <laughs> that's great. So good. Yeah. Um, do you do you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, I really like the billboards. To be honest with yeah. you, in in a weird way, that having came been true. no, because having been to LA Live recently, I felt like what was missing was like an element of kind of overt tackiness, like that something right. so huge with a human face on it selling you something would have endeared it to me more. They have that, though. They have, like, digital billboards. When you're standing at the movie theater and you're looking at L.A. Live from that kind of, like, alley thing Mm -hmm. or whatever, there's, like, a a very kind of demure digital billboard. But it's... I really love the, like... I mean, obviously, the, like, neon at night and the, like, you know, all of those tiny little lit-up windows with the rain and these, Mm -hmm. like, angular structures... But I really was so into the lady's face, like taking the pill and Mm -hmm. then the Mm Coca-Cola billboard, because I was like, this must have looked so horrible in 1982. Like, this is the worst thing that could happen. But now... It looks like art. It looks like... It looks like... Yeah, yeah. too. My my friend Sarah saw Double Indemnity on a big screen. She said there's this line that gets a big laugh where they're talking about, like, the tacky little 1930s ranch houses. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, ha, 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 I wish I had a million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, I think there is that thing too where it's like what's supposed to be scary from the past becomes like warm and fuzzy because it reminds you of the past it just had there's so much just to you can smell that movie like you can smell Blade Runner and you can kind of like feel how damp it is and stuff like that whereas Obviously, the worst thing about LA, in my opinion, is the, the drought and the I'm crappy you, air. There was fog last night. It left drops of water on my car. If you felt fog last night, give us a call at two four zero four six night. But by the way, it was just small. It was wet smog on you. If Damn you think smog. Tess is wrong and Molly is right, <laughs> press one when you call, and the loser <laughs> will have to die. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for long coats for Tess to wear, yeah. I, I and actually I should admit that I had two. It was the red one and then I had one. It was I bought it used, so I was okay with the fact that it had a fur collar mm. and it was tan with a fur collar. Oh, that's so cool. Like I love those. It was coats. it looked really cool and then my mom was like, 
this is used have you ever washed this yeah you know, and i was like washed it it has a fur co- and she just kind of backed away from me and i was the like problem right with wearing uh, anything fun is yeah. one person can make you self-conscious destroy your life by being like yeah. oh are you wearing something different than you usually wear and you're like <laughs> please give us a night call yes. about that um emily and- before we wrap up though what was your favorite design oh of- i mean it's it's the it's the coat i mean it's the, it's the see-through raincoat uh Another one would be probably, I mean, uh, Zora is a small character in it, but she has a lot of memorable stuff. Her fake snake, her coat, her hairdryer orb that That she sticks her head into. That thing was awesome. It's amazing. Uh, That whole scene in her dressing room is like very, it it left a big impression on me as a teenager. I was like, wait, is this a really fun job? (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, no, I I don't know. This movie, I... I'm continually delighted. It's movies like this that whenever people are like, oh, you know, there's a certain way that a movie has to be to be popular. I'm just like, you all worship this weird ass movie that has long runs of no dialogue. That's extremely impressionistic that we don't even really know what the ending of it is. Like there's room for that. And like it has legs for a reason because it's like it's just like takes you to a place. And I think. Yeah. And same with 2001. I think movies and TV shows and things that don't answer every question you could possibly have like those are all the best things yeah like the shining just like things that make your brain just like go into a weird place of trying to figure it out and you can't also zodiac it's funny now because we do have the thing of like any studio person who's like where's our blade runner like we need a new blade runner in in 2019 they made it and it's boring and over explains everything. And so you, you can very well, they much miss see. the point, especially of Harrison Ford characters. I feel like people you can't replicate it and you especially can't replicate it with like Chris Pratt by giving him some like one liners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just like there's just sort of like self-consciousness about Harrison Ford, like a yeah. 70s actorness that makes it great. He's not just an 80s guy being like, fuck off, princess. You know? <laughs> yeah. He does say something to that effect. He says something to that Star effect, Wars. but it's also like if it's coming from Harrison Ford, maybe it's okay. He did have like a little bit of a forceful seduction there that was a little problematic. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. It's the it 80s not fly. It's the 80s. Exactly. But what if they're both robots then? Yeah. Does See, then run? it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I they're all that. hooked into the same consciousness. What if they're changing app is beauty. <laughs> the astrology app and the dating app are one app. Uh, we are all one app. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our guest this week, uh, Elizabeth Cantwell, on to talk about her new book of poetry and uh, being a semi-prepper in Los Angeles. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Welcome back to Night Call. We are now joined by our guest, Elizabeth Cantwell. Um, She is a high school teacher and poet living in Claremont, California. Her poetry has appeared in a variety of journals, such as Diagram, the Cincinnati Review, the LA Review. She is the author of a chapbook, Premonitions, and two full-length collections of poetry, Nights I Let the Tiger Get You and All the Emergency Type Structures, which was a finalist for the National Poetry Series and the regional winner of the Hillary Gravendick Prize. She's amazing. We all just read all the emergency type structures, and it is the most night call book of poetry mm-hmm. ever. It covers um, zombie bees, which it, we have covered zombie cicadas. It's like the same thing, and also a fascinating app that we want to exist. So, hello, Elizabeth. 
Hello. Thank <laughs> you for having the me. <laughs> this is great because we had Elena Smith on last week from Dickinson. Yeah. So we're doing we're like a, a poetry, poetry month. It's poetry month. <laughs> it's also American History Month. We've decided. I decided. Molly decided. This comes down from me and then you guys agreed. <laughs> Scorpio season equals yeah. American history. It makes perfect sense. Secrets. Dark um, secrets. I feel like your poems deal a lot with some of the dark aspects of American history and uh, also of the human brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's an accurate assessment. <laughs> yeah, like Emily Dickinson, there is a gothness to your poetry that like appeals deeply to me and also a really interesting structure. And then a lot of the poems are about actual physical structures. This, yeah. Yeah. This is such a, like, I, this is like a very general question, but I always think this, especially with poets, because I'm like, I'm so not a poet that I'm like, <laughs> how does one go about it? But you have so many, like we were saying, like so many interesting kind of conceits and like ideas and little like, almost like the starts of short stories. And I just like wonder why for you, poetry is the best way to like, explore those that's a great question I feel like uh writing you know it's like any other art where you can't really explain why you're good at one thing and not another I've definitely tried fiction before and I am terrible at it I can say that confidently um that's so surprising I I don't believe that (laughs) yeah no I wrote like a horrible (laughs) short story once about a boy who was like locked in a walk-in freezer at an ice cream store yeah sounds great (laughs) died while a puppy was like watching it was there's something about writing short stories I was just thinking about this yesterday I was like is there anything more self-conscious to do oh my god than to write a short story Mm -hmm. let me spin you a wee tail (laughs) that's the first line of any decent short story yeah I feel like I mean I feel like I kind of work in images like I think in images and I um uh, spit things out in images, so poetry works really well for for the image. I would say, yeah. um, originally, not not originally at all. Um, but yeah, I think that usually I'll have a thought and I'll try to write it just as sort of like notes, either notes on my phone or notes on a piece of paper, and it just kind of turns into a poem eventually, yeah. whether I want it to or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, and your stuff, especially, I mean, it makes me think how actually well suited poetry is to capturing what it feels like to live today in this weird dystopian reality we find ourselves in because it is like you don't necessarily need to set up all these images or these ideas because that's how they come at you in 2019 it's just like like there's kind of a, a yeah poetry stream like of a, consciousness like a positive neural network yeah <laughs> well, i also think it was great because it allowed you to set up the tension between technology and the natural world which was some some of my favorite moments in the collection were kind of just sort of showing like the disconnect between the people with their tiny screens I think was one of the lines and then having this like deep connection with like water like I I think so your your book is kind of divided into different sections that deal with like earth and water and fire and then the home Um, and I was wondering kind of how you came up with that idea of like tying things together that way well I think I started out wanting to write something about like not apocalyptic, but like, what do we do when the the systems as we know them seem to be collapsing? And like, how do we find a space for ourselves to exist when, like, literally, I feel like systems and structures that we trusted as kids, or maybe, maybe that some of us trusted as kids, yeah. um, we're sort of seeing the cracks in them now. And so I was thinking about like, what do you do? How do you survive that? And like, what are the kinds of structures one could build to like withstand 
those storms metaphorically and and literally um, obviously, as like a lot of the book is also sort of climate changey. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a lot of it in 2017, so I almost feel like I wish I had leaned into some of that more. Looking mm-hmm. back on it now, from two years later, were you guys evacuated at some point for the fires, or was that just kind of like alluded to as being something Californian? There were fires near us, um, but we we personally were never evacuated for fires. I did. My parents live in Thousand Oaks, so they oh, were yeah. evacuated. Like, but I think that was like last year. Last year, um, yeah. They, were they stayed at our house for a while. Um, their house was safe, luckily. But um, yeah. Oh, so I think just thinking about those different structures, and then also thinking about like the the fact that like whatever we build has to come from the earth, right? So it's like, you know. Either it's going to be the water or it's going to be the land or it's going to be outer space. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever we create has to be of of a structure that is natural in origin, Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I really liked that you talked about the horse hitch at your old <laughs> yes. house, which your husband talked about when <laughs> yeah. he guessed it on the podcast. I was like, man, that horse hitch <laughs> like, really weird. got you guys. <laughs> Wait, what was the one, Emily, the plant you were talking about recently that I didn't know what it was? What plant? That you were like, that plant that everybody had in the 2000s. Briefly. Oh, horse hair. <laughs> yeah, horse, horse hair. Horse tail. No, horse ho- yeah, tail. horse tail. It was the hipster plant. Yeah, the hipster yeah. plant. I don't remember this. Horse tail is. Do you know about horse tail? It's like I a zero escaping no. thing. It's a very. It's a, such a signifier. I feel like of like mid two thousands California gentrification. Maybe it's not just California. It's kind of like the horizontal fence. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like green. It looks like really narrow bamboo. Mm-hmm. If like mm-hmm. if if bamboo is grass, and you can make a very like. And it's green. It's green. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I think in my mind, I <laughs> thought it was the different thing that was the tufty. The no, tufty. No, one. it's the stuff I love. I'm doing. I think. I think that's how it looks naturally. But I think if you trim it to, oh, to okay. trim your your new restaurant, thanks your for joining our podcast. Culture. Three people <laughs> talking about plants, talking trying about to plants. guess plants. <laughs> it's a time when you could use a visual. Do you have a favorite California plant, or like a like maybe an evocative plant for you? Hmm. You guys what's have a plant. Great, what's a plant for I, 2019? I want to say you guys have a great. Uh, I've seen your garden on the Instagram and you have an amazing Halloween display. We Ooh. did have a, ha- a what was great it? Halloween Old display. West themed. Yes, it was like, um, I think it was called Ghost Gulch is the little sign we painted. Nice. And there's like a skeleton and cowboy outfit. And uh, my younger son is devastated that it is no longer in our <laughs> front yard. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I feel like I like, I enjoy succulents, but that's like such a basic like visco girl thing to say. <laughs> well, where, where are you from? Are you from? I grew up in Virginia. Okay, so, so not a succulent. Not zone. a succulent place. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those fun things when you come out here and you're like, oh, I'm really like on another planet. And I never understood yeah. that Virginia was very green yeah. until I came back to Virginia. Like when the first time I visited with Chris, actually, I remember he was like blown away because he grew up in Texas and then oh, moved to right. California. And I was like, welcome to Virginia. Yeah, yeah. he was like, why? There are so many trees. <laughs> I just have all that, the moisture here. I had that experience in Portland. I went to Portland for the first time and was just like, trees everywhere. Portland is so beautiful. You could live somewhere with trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Ray Bradbury in one of the poems also, which I only just realized recently that those poems are all about like moving from the Midwest to Los... The poems, the short stories are about moving from the Midwest to Los Angeles. Uh, and Los Angeles is Mars. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. It makes Los a Angeles lot of sense. Is Mars. 
It also makes you want to move to Mars occasionally. <laughs> I say that as someone who loves LA, but um, in one of your poems when you talk about living in a kind of exoplanet commune, I was like, sure, mm -hmm. I'll do that now um, because the fires have kind of continued. We've already talked about it on the podcast, so I won't bore anyone. Well, we haven't talked about this yet. I wanted to talk about, I read like a an obscure etymology, not at all vetted, but it said that maybe the... Santa Ana winds are actually a bastardization of Satanus. Whoa. Oh, that yeah. They're the devil winds because mm -hmm. that is what other native groups called them. And apparently, like the Tongva people who were the uh, people here called them something like that. And maybe it was like translated into hmm. Spanish as Satanus and then translated back into English as Santa Ana's because hmm. they don't come from Santa Ana. No, they Anna. don't come from Santa Ana. Hmm. Uh, and they are the devil winds. They are super the but devil But they're also winds. natural. Like they're meant to happen right. and they do happen every year. But they just suck so bad. Everyone well, hates them. They Even animals and, hate them. Right. But I think like what your poems get at is like there's a way you can live in tune with those things and that's like not what we're doing at all. Right. Like, yeah. Well, I feel like my, my poem about like going to another planet and living is also like like, that's a cheat, you know? Exactly, like, if right. you want to be like, let's blast off and live on another planet, it's like, cool. But that yeah. is such a kind of shitty way to go about it is. Um, <laughs> conservatism right. or it's also, environmentalism. <laughs> we just talked recently about how scientists have now kind of asked us to give up hope on that, which right. I don't think we were ever, like, really oh, itching to go. We're anti-planet colonization. We're anti-planet yeah. colonization. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also... Interesting to explore that impulse when you feel overwhelmed, not just by like immediate environmental concerns, but also obviously what that implies about larger right. environmental concerns. It's like the commune impulse, but it's like you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think also if you live anywhere where, I mean, I know you guys didn't have to evacuate, but like in California, if you do live anywhere where you're under risk from having to be evacuated for a fire or if you live in Florida where you know every year you have to board up your house right. and like water takes over everything like I think like having some kind of sense of being at the mercy of nature even in a non-climate change scenario you guys have tornadoes though this is what I now can't stop thinking oh, right. about but that's yeah. the thing like I think I, I I wish that that ingrained more of a like cool, I'm going to, like, let nature take over type mentality instead of this, like, like, people who keep the inside of their house, like, 68 degrees all through the year, where it's, like, like that's, like, the small version of it, where it's, like, it's hot. It should be a little bit hot inside your house. It's like, you know, just, like, learning to, like, like, like ride nature instead of, like, resisting it, because I feel like that's what, that is what gets you climate change event eventually. Yeah, well, and, and I feel like the other thing that I, that I think a lot about is, like, the disconnect between living in like a suburban community or in a um, any kind of community where people are sort of comfortable, right? Um, and how you kind of have to lie to yourself in order to do that, where yeah. you're like, oh, but we turn the yeah. thermostat down at our house and yeah. it's fine. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and the sort of like weird, almost social pressure that you experience when you're like, oh, but everybody does that, and we this is just how we do it, and like no one else is changing, so why do I need to yeah. change? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm teaching this book right now, actually called The House Next Door. Have any of you read this book? No. Mm -mm. Oh, I think Nightcall would love this book. Ooh. It's called The House Next Door. It was written in, I want to say 1970-something, I don't know. Um, but it's Anne Rivers Siddons. And she's like a kind of under-the-radar female um, Southern Gothic writer. And it's a ghost 
it's like a haunted house story where the house is new. So it's basically like, what Ooh. if the haunted house was had just been built? That's a um, wonderful idea. Whoa. And it's like social commentary about suburban Southern life. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's Wait, where super is it set? funky. It's in like a suburb of, um, I, I want to say a suburb of Atlanta. I'm pretty Ooh. sure. It's That's very in haunted. the South. Yeah. yeah it's, it's 1978. It came out. I mean, I go. would love to read it. It's great. <laughs> a, a club ghost it. story about a 70s suburbia, like, haunting. It's yeah. awesome. Great. It's like a married couple where if um, if two people got married and decided not to have kids and were like, we're going to lean into just, like, loving ourselves and self-care and, like, being a part of our suburban community and then we're just destroyed by ghosts. Series of happenings, but then again, like, is it also just because you're narcissistic and have right. enough money to be comfortable? And yeah, yeah. What, great. in your opinion, is the most haunted architecture? If you have an opinion on this, because well, talking about the suburbs, I'm like that to me. Sometimes mid-century houses seem the most hauntable, and yeah. I tend to go on in a boring way about upside-down floor plans and how I think that they are just ghost magnets. What do you mean upside down floor plan? (laughs) When the bedrooms are below the rest of the house, you are crushed by the weight. Because the bedrooms have to be upstairs? No, they have to be either on the same level or above. But if the bedrooms are downstairs, or sometimes if you enter and then Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, what? There's all you these mean, weird... like a split level? Well, okay. For in, some <laughs> wait, wait, first of all, this house has floors. <laughs> in mid, in certain mid-century houses, there there's like a main level, and then sometimes there's either multiple bedrooms or one master bedroom that is like subterranean almost. I don't mm. know what you're talking yes. about. I'll show I you do. pictures. You know, yeah, I do know. Yes. Okay, yeah. can you imagine waking up like underground? Yeah. To me, I think that's the like worst a, psychic a vibe. The basement. I actually have like a vivid memory of sleeping over at a friend's house where it was like a weird, like there was bedrooms on the upper floor, but then also bedrooms on the lower floor. What if you're like the cool teenager and you get your own room? That's why teenagers are so weird. That is, they all want to live in a basement because all their all the bad vibes settle down. (laughs) Also, the radon settles down. It's true. It's true. But it, what's um, your like least favorite structure vibe wise? I do think like a very antiseptic modern place is creepy to be in when it feels mm-hmm. like it doesn't when it feels like it's not really lived in yeah. that to me is actually creepy like the complete lack of texture yes yeah. like mm-hmm. the the books face the spine facing backwards on the bookshelves <laughs> I don't want to be in a room with that this no. is like a thing we were talking about because the, the room that I'm writing in we have a lot of stuff that takes place at a spa and we were talking about like the idea of spa culture and different in different cultures and how somehow the Western one arrived at this thing where everything must be pristine Mm -hmm. and white and clean and made of tiles. And like a lot, like both other like European cultures and Asian cultures, like much more value, like wood and natural surfaces. And like when you're at a spa and relaxing, you want to feel like you're a part of nature, but there's this whole like, I think well, we've like done thing... that to death. I think on everything in America. Well, in like Los Angeles, yes, but I think like to death. Yeah. Oh, you mean like done the done the white gleaming yeah. surfaces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's but, like, like so dominant. Soulless right now. minimalism. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah, it's I don't terrible. like it either. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think is the most haunted architecture? Mm. I already said mid-century. I'm sticking with that. Yeah. I used to like mid-century houses, and I still find them to be fun to look at. But having for a while, I was just going to open houses all the time because it was like free and a thing to do. And I felt like 
I eventually started picturing myself living in a house with like walls that would slide and like the downstairs bedroom and the weird kind of like just two angular bathrooms. It just I, yeah. I, I just became convinced that I don't think you can be happy in a house like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think like that kind of subdivision gated community, oh, like nineties nineties oh, yeah, mini mansion that. thing. That. Mm-hmm. That's a really bad vibe, especially because I think there's a it probably starts in like the 70s or 80s, but I feel like it's very like I, I have a very tactile memory of being in houses like this where it just feels like it's fancy and it smells like a new house, but also like everything feels like kind of hollow, mm-hmm. like that kind of empty feeling. Ugh, yeah. That's the decorating scheme of all Airbnbs. Yes. Yeah. Like, Ooh, how about yeah. that Airbnb article? I just you guys? read that. It was insane. Did you guys read no, it? No. It's, it's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. This reporter for Vice accidentally uncovered this huge Airbnb scam when she booked a place to stay. Was it Airbnb? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's a picture of a couple and they're like, I forget their names. Oh, they're, you yeah. know, like fake photos. Frank and Diane. Exactly. Or yeah. Jack and Diane. Why not? Something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, they have no regulation. They are not. No, they did. They, they This couple doesn't exist. They, it's like a guy who bought up a ton of property and what he does is basically a bait and switch where you show up and he says, oops, there was a sewage accident. I need to put you in a place that's identical, but it's like two blocks away. It's the same. And then you go and it's not at all the same and it's not what you intended to It's like a terrible ramshackle. Yeah. Like there's like beds with no sheets and like, yep. <gasps> and like the walls Multiple are falling. Multiple people yeah. staying there. Yeah. And right. then they don't refund you. Right. Because Airbnb, yeah. you cannot speak to a human. But right. after she published this story, Airbnb was totally silent on it. And then the FBI was like, hello, what an interesting article you've written. We're going to start looking into this. So then Airbnb decided that come December or something, they're changing their whole operations. I hope That's all wild. the startups get shut down. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolution. Formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by Brain MD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. 
Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, let's take a night call. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. Hi, night call. I wanted to let you know that I've been in the tunnels underneath UCLA. I entered through the art department. Um, I guess it's like the northeast part of campus. And then you go underneath the building and there's like the tunnels between the different departments. It's kind of like being inside of a ship where each doorway is like a circular raised area that you step through. And then they're like skinny, short tunnels. But then they open up to these like big cavernous rooms underneath the department. So I went under theater it was, like, filled with old props. It was super fucking creepy. And then I also went under the library that's up there, and that was filled with out-of-circulation books uh, and, like, flat files and, like, an insane amount of books. It was, like, a huge, huge room. Um, okay. I'm in suspense. I did know that the UCLA tunnels, that like there is an entrance. The Northeast campus is where theater and film is, which is where I went. So I was that's why I was like kind of vaguely aware of it, but I never went into it. But I just looked up a map of the UCLA tunnels, and they go through the whole school. It's sort oh. of like it, what you're saying is like a ship. It's like because it's like an artery that goes down the campus. Because it is a ship. It's a under. Does it start at Royce Hall? No, it goes through Royce. Um, I mean, it starts, like, it goes to, like, Poly Pavilion, which is underneath, like, the soccer field there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how far out it goes. But wow. it, it goes, up, like, the whole north campus, there's, like, this square you can kind of see. It's, like, that. Um, but, yeah, it, it. so, like, I had thought that it was only one part of the campus, but it, like, goes through the whole thing. And they call them steam tunnels on here. And I was trying, I've, I've looked at, like, this research is all very familiar to me because I've definitely looked this up before and, like, tried to figure out what they were originally used for. I mean, I guess, like, 
as a means of transporting things from one department to another, I guess, during a... Or a bomb shelter? Nuclear... No, that's true. A huge bomb shelter. But but most of UCLA predates, like, the nuclear panic right, so era. that means they built it... Th- oh, it's for the lizard people who It could have been Obviously. for the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Also, that is what it yeah. is. Was there pizza? Because <laughs> <laughs> then we know. I mean, it's a college. This so. is kind of a yeah. Ninja Turtle situation. It is. Yeah. Elizabeth was saying that her college also contained underground tunnels. Yeah, well, I went to Yale, and there were tunnels at Yale that I knew people went into. I never went into them, but I did. We had a we had these residential colleges, and there were tunnels under our residential college that I went into a lot because it was the only way you could get to. Uh, I don't. Remember, it wasn't the laundry room, but there was like a weird place where you could only get to something through these tunnels, and you would have to like bend double and like crouch down. Oh, it's terrifying! Um, oh. And there was like one strange area where it was all like discarded bikes, and I don't know whose bikes they were. Like they were not active members of the school's bikes. Yeah. I just assume um, the Yale tunnels lead to like the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> for sure. They're well, it does feel like goth. the Yale tunnels would be much more like kind of decrepit and like colonial than well, the UCLA tunnels. Well, they also might tunnels. be more ancient. Like they might yeah. have like ancient Masonic energy, where like yeah. the UCLA tunnels have like turn-of-the-century Masonic energy. I got really pissed off when I went back for a reunion and they had, like, renovated our college, which was fine, whatever. Um, But they had taken out all the creepy tunnels and put Mm. in, like, a nice basement with, like, a ping-pong table and a dark room. (laughs) And I was like, this feels terrible. Nobody's ever going to hang out down in a haunted (laughs) tunnel. (laughs) You can try. Were you allowed to go in the tunnels back before they were renovated? Was it? I mean, yeah, in in our residential college, we were. Um, the other tunnels, I think, were not, like, yeah. kosher tunnels to go in. And mm-hmm. there was also a weird thing with, like, a secret society that used, like, more water. Go like, on. their water bill was, like, higher than any place on campus. And there was no evidence of, like, what that water was going to. Like, they didn't have a swimming pool as far as we knew. Hydroponics. Maybe they were in tunnels. Torture. I don't know. Chinese water torture. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> practicing escaping. Yeah, <laughs> slip and slide Houdini they I'm were clear. slipping and sliding <laughs> what were they using all that water for I, uh, it's a, good a weird fact that I don't know okay if you went to Yale and you know why they had the high water bill you, give us a night call if at you remember a particularly wet <laughs> yeah. secret society a wet hot Yale summer <laughs> call us at 24046 night and tell us why that water bill was high we like a regional mystery yeah, I sure. don't really understand what the secret societies are for, except for people who then like go on to do war crimes to meet. Yeah, I mean basically, yeah, yeah it's just for boys to feel like a sense of exclusivity about what they're. It's just for if you if you don't feel enough of a sense of exclusivity for going to Yale, then a, a secret society might be for you. Also, they have them like everywhere, not just at IVs, but those are like the most famous. Do UCLA have any like secret? I I don't know about. I know about some at UNC just because. David was from Chapel Hill. Doesn't so. UVA have that crazy one where like it's called like seven or something and there's mm-hmm. only seven people in it, but you don't know who they are, but they <gasps> chime the bell at UVA when one of the seven dies? <gasps> what? I don't know anything is, about I'm that. pretty sure that this is real. Amazing. Sounds... I mean, this is Virginia. This is maybe Virginia gossip, but I did know people who went to UVA and I, I believe there's something called like seven. See, that's dope though. Like I would <laughs> love to be in that because if, if that's all that it is, <laughs> I hope. I hope that that's the whole goal is just yeah. live and then die. I feel die. like, though, like, when you come from somewhere, like, here, where you're like, the traditions aren't that old, 
what are these really old traditions like? And then, Ooh. like, my boyfriend's from New Orleans, and just, like, I would watch something about, like, all the traditions of Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah. And it's all just, like, so intricate. Everybody's in a secret society. Um, and there's, like, so much costuming. It kind of just totally freaked me New out. New Orleans likes, like, a lot of rules and, like, yeah. details. They're detail-oriented city. I think the city. rules that come with the secret society are what really take me out of wanting to be in one. Were there but any secret the societies at Brown? Did we ha- we didn't have any, no, did well, we? There were fraternities and sororities. Those aren't secret, though, at all. No. So that doesn't count. <laughs> Those are public, <laughs> stupid societies. Also, <laughs> apologies to anyone in the Greek life. Nah. <laughs> but there were also some like so there were some things that were like fraternities and sororities at Brown, but they were all like for nerds. Like there was what? a games house. Oh yeah, this games none house of this was like the D and D house, and they had more sex than. But see, anybody. oh, they had so much they sex. Used I, all they the were water. notorious. Yeah, <laughs> by a water bell, and they larped. But they the were seven, great. The Seven Society. I'm looking up the Seven Society once again. Atlas Obscura coming through for us. Um, all that's really known is that the group is focused on philanthropy now. It's also hmm. like been around since colonial times, um, specifically to support the university. Uh, donations have been known to come in for amounts like $17,777.77. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> but there's one thing we know. is that philanthropy sometimes hides some shady stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> How are the seven chosen? Um, nobody knows. Uh, the Seventh Society logo is a numeral seven surrounded by the Alpha, Omega, and Infinity signs. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Because <laughs> it's like the beginning, the end, and forever. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, how serious are you about prep being a prepper? I saw you also quoted oh, yeah. Waterworld, and I was very oh, excited yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, w- uh, ooh, I don't know. You I don't talk about backpacks. We talk a lot about yes. leftist preppers. Well, do you think you automatically start to get prepper tendencies just by, like, just by being outside of a city or being outside of, like, a dense population area? I feel like Southern California has a specific prepper, like, attitude, especially because of the earthquakes. earthquakes yeah. So you have to have, like, an earthquake bag, and now that there's wildfires, like, you need, like, a go bag. Um, I do, like... I've I've never gone into like a survivalist store, but I did have like a long conversation with a few people about like if we were to like make this happen, <laughs> maybe we should move to the mountain and like just create <laughs> a small commune. California um, also engenders that. Yes, in yeah. equal part. But also like some of this is just practical. It's not it's not like you're taken with like a whimsical notion right. of being a prepper because also as a mom. Um, right. You have to like, you, yeah. the emergency kits are like mandated yeah. by school. You have to figure out where you would pick up your kids if there were an earthquake. My least favorite part of those school prep kits is that you have to include, I don't know if your schools do this, but you have to include like a note. Oh my God. Um, yeah. That supposedly your child would read were they to have to access their emergency kit. Oh my God. Which to me oh, is yeah. like, no, we have those. what yeah. am I supposed to say in the note? Like, goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> if you're reading this, you yeah. will likely never see me again or civilization. I, <laughs> I totally they, remember they this. They said like, yeah. cheer them up. Yeah, I, I don't like, know. I don't like, know what's I just I think if you're happened. reading a note from your parents from an emergency kit, yeah. the <laughs> amount of really cheer bad. you can <laughs> contain. It's yeah. like, I think my mom's just said, like, I'm thinking about you. Like, don't worry. Like, just something like that. Like, which I think is, like, not... I mean, when you're a kid, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. I think We should all leave your book of poems. <laughs> yeah, we should. Great. Yeah. yeah. That, that would, would be, be the helpful. perfect thing. Yeah. It's like a guidebook for the apocalypse. 
Well, you should all go out and purchase Elizabeth's book, which I will bungle the name of. (laughs) All the emergency type structures. Structures. There you go. (laughs) All the emergency type structures. You can get it at Skylight if you're a friend of Skylight. Correct, Molly? You picked up a hard copy. Yeah, it's in the poetry section. It is in the poetry section. A great section. It's really, can't recommend it highly enough. And actually, it had been a really long time since I had read a book of poetry cover to cover and I just sat down and like in one sitting it was awesome it's It's great great. so congratulations thank you so much yeah thanks Thanks for for coming on the the show thanks for having me Thanks for listening to Night Call. If you'd like to give us a night call, give us a call at 24046-NIGHT. You can also follow us on social media, Night Call Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Night Call Pod on Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Night Call is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolution formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.